everyone. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am sitting down with Dinah Trout. She is the co-founder and chief mission officer of HealthAid, as well as their in-house nutritionist. Dinah has spent her adult life dedicated to finding and sharing health and wellness through food. Founded in 2012, HealthAid Kombucha is a multi-million dollar success, and it retails in something like 45,000 stores across the country. Known for their bubbly beverages <laughs> that are really good for your gut, HealthAid is one of the fastest growing refrigerated functional beverage brands in the country. And for today's episode, I am sitting down to chat with Dinah all about it. Now, this is Dinah's second appearance on the podcast. I'm going to link her first episode in the show notes, which if I'm being completely honest, listening back to episode number 49 and seeing the differences and just how far the show has come. Yeah, definitely gave me all of the feels. For today's episode, of course, like I said, we talk about her backstory a little bit, but we really focus in on how diet and mood are connected. Plus the difference between pre, pro, and postbiotics. Something tells me a lot of you haven't heard of postbiotics before. Loved this chat, loved the opportunity to sit down with past hurdle guests again. And on that note, I'm always thinking about who to have on the show. So if you have a suggestion, a recommendation of a guest, a topic that you want to learn about, perhaps, I am all ears. Feel free to shoot Hurdle a DM over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And of course, we're always an email away over at hello at hurdle.us. If you have yet to rate or review the show, always super helpful, especially at the top end of a new season, I would love for you just to take a few seconds, head on in to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars. That's it for now. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Dinah Trout. She is the co-founder and chief mission officer over at HealthAid. How are you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you for making the time. I'm so happy to have you back for round two on Hurdle. And as we were just catching up with before the recording started, like absolutely insane to see what has happened since episode 49, not only, of course, for the show, but really for HealthAid. For both of us. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, right? Yeah. I, geez, I think when we recorded, it was about maybe a little over three years ago. And you had at the time only 14 SKUs. How many SKUs does HealthAid have now? Gosh, we probably have 30, 30 or 30, 40 SKUs. But where we've grown even more, I would say, is in store count. I think when we met, we were probably in like 10,000 stores. And now we're like well over 50,000. So bananas, truly bananas. Does it ever like, do you have these moments where you're like, when did it happen? Or does it feel like you've like, well, we've been working for this. I mean, for sure. 
But I do have those moments even still, especially when I look at old pictures. That's when it really comes back to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'll find like old notes or notepads where I wrote like, okay, goal this month is to sell 800 bottles or something. And like, you know, we're selling over a million bottles a month. So it's just those moments. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And I remember 800 being an extraordinary goal, like, you know, shooting for the stars type of goal. So it's pretty (laughs) cool. Yeah. For those that may not be in the loop, we won't go too, too in depth with it, but do you want to give us a little bit of an insight into how you even got into the, is it silly to call it the kombucha business to begin with? No, it's not silly at all. That's after all what it is. I mean, I think we've got our eyesight on set on something bigger now. We want to be supporting all of gut health. Kombucha is just one of the things, but I mean, listen, that's what people know health aid by, I think, is our kombucha. So you want to know what kombucha is, or you want to know more how we started health aid? Let's start with how you started health aid. And then we will transition into what kombucha is because it'll be relevant in our discussion today uh, a little bit later on. Okay. Well, high level, me, my husband, and my best friend all found ourselves, you know, kind of unfulfilled in our corporate jobs. We all had our different reasons for being there, but we just, we found ourselves at the same spot at the same time about 10 years ago where we just wanted to build something on our own um, company we could be proud of, you know, wanted to make a mark. It was just that entrepreneurial itch. My background was in nutrition. And so I was like in love with food and finding solutions, you know, for anything health related via food. And, you know, long story short, I made a really good kombucha. We, we started selling kombucha in the farmer's markets. We really didn't know anything about business. Of course, I knew a lot about kombucha and nutrition, but we, we, you know, we hadn't been to business school or started any business in the past. And so we really relied on our intuition, on our grit to, you know, and just our sort of intellect, I would say, our natural intellect or whatever to, to move forward. And we had no money. So we, you know, every dollar we made at the farmer's market, we then put to the next one and the next one and so on and so forth. And it was a lot of learning that tagline we have follow your gut, I would say was like a business mantra for us. Um, it's not just um, play on the fact that kombucha is good for your gut. And from the farmer's market, we grew. Um, I took the role of CEO from the beginning and we grew very fast, although organically, you know, one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other kind of way. Started one store, then 30, then 300, then 3,000. And fast forward to today, you know, we're we're the fastest growing kombucha band still six years in a row. As I mentioned, we're selling, you know, millions of bottles a month. Um, we're in 60,000 stores, about, about 150 employees in Torrance. It's just really a dream come true on so many levels. I love that, that mission statement, right? Follow your gut. So intuitive to you, I'm sure, when it comes to building this brand without, as you said, that like business sense, right? Like you were doing the yeah. best you could with what you had and trusting your gut along the way. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So you also mentioned background in nutrition, which is why we are going to segue into the topic that we're really focusing on today, which is how what you eat correlates with your mood. That's what we're going to talk about. But before we do, you said it. Let's talk a little bit about what kombucha is and why it could be a good component of a regular diet. Yeah. So fermented foods in general have prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics in them. And we can get into that in a second. But 
Um, they're very unique in that they have those three things, all fermented foods. Probably the most studied are kombucha, sauerkraut, and kefir. Um, but they're really unique. There's no other food out there that has all three of those things. And those all three of those things support the gut health in different ways. So you can think of fermented foods as like a, a superfood for the gut. So kombucha specifically is fermented tea. And essentially, it's a bubbly, sort of slightly sour, slightly sweet drink. And it's tasty. So you could think of it as a treat or a good for you soda, if you will. Um, a lot of the sugar uh, ferments away. So it's got low sugar compared for sure to, to things like juice or, um, or soda. But that's not really why you're drinking it. You're not really drinking it for taste, probably. That's just the bonus. You're drinking it because it's good for your gut. And so it's rich in prebiotics, probiotics, and these healthy organic acids, which are also known as postbiotics. Um, so yeah, I mean, people like it at different times of the day. It, there's really no right time to drink it. I, I personally like it at three o'clock. That's like my go-to kombucha hour. Gets me from lunch to dinner. I'm always looking for a snacky snack at that time for some reason. You know, it's like that 3 p.m. slump time. So that's my favorite time to have it. But I know plenty of people that have it instead of wine or beer at dinner or for happy hour or even first thing in the morning. So mm. there's no right, one right way to have it. <laughs> there's no one right way to have it. And you you mentioned pre pro and postbiotics. So let's break that down a little bit as well, because I'm sure there are people listening to this right now that are like, what the hell are postbiotics? Yeah, no. And, it, you know, I'm glad you're asking this question because even our own marketing team is like, people don't know anything except probiotics. And I'm like, but I think we have to teach all three because, um, because it's so important. So first let's start at the basics. Our microbiome, most, you know, it lives all over our body. It's not just in our gut, but the majority of the microbes that live on and in us are in our gut. Like, let's call it like probably 80%. Um, and they are very important. These microbes that live in our gut have many different roles and we rely on them to live. I think this is so, sort of something that maybe people don't realize. So I want to just take a second here. It's not just that they're good for us. We rely on them. They drive so many functions in our body. And as science grows around gut health, we're learning just how far it extends. I mean, it's really crazy. It's just exploding. If you look up gut health, I mean, you can do it online, but if you go to like the medical websites like Pub, PubMed, for example, you may be surprised to find how much it's driving in your body. Um, it's a major um, contributor to sleep, energy, mood, metabolism, how well you fight infection, immunity overall, inflammation, chronic inflammation, of course, digestion, um, skin hair health, hair health, mood. And it's, a, it's just like the list goes on. How long your baby cries, you know? I mean, how well you produce breast milk. I mean, it, it really has gone almost to every aspect of health and shown not only is it a contributor, but it, but oftentimes it's like the main driver. And it's not always what we think of, right? Like when you think about mood, and I know we'll talk about mood, you're probably thinking more brain maybe, but more and more evidence suggests it actually starts in the gut. And it's those microbes that are doing the work. And so though basically anything we can do to increase the abundance of those microbes is good for gut health. And that's, that's a really important thing to start with because prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics all do that in different ways. But that's the overall goal. The goal is to get more microbes in your gut. 
And the more abundant and more variant those microbes, generally speaking, all those sort of health things we talked about get better um, or, or have beneficial outcomes. So you asked about prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics. Um, okay, pro, let's start at probiotics because maybe that's the one that's the easiest to start with. Probiotics are microbes you ingest. So they're not yet in your gut. The hope is that they add to the microbiome and community in your gut, right? But you're taking a pill or you're eating something that's fermented. Those are the two general ways you're going to get probiotics. You're eating that and the hope is that it goes down to your belly and just joins the team. Does that make sense? Yes. The problem with probiotics is, especially the supplements, is like 90% of them don't ever make it there because your gut is like a, you know, super acidic. It's not a very friendly environment for a lot of things. And, and, and that's on purpose, right? We need to break down food. I mean, it's like a it's like a workstation down there. So buying probiotics that are pills, I'm not saying they all don't work. Some really do, but it's not as simple as just taking probiotics. The cool thing about fermented foods is the probiotics and fermented foods are already in acidic environments. They're already naturally evolved. Like it's it's almost in a sense its own gut microbiome um, because it's fermenting tea, much like your microbes ferment the food you eat. So for some reason, fermented food probiotics always make it, make it in. And so I'm a big believer. And for sure, this is like my opinion here, I guess, but I'm a holistic nutritionist. I really believe that nature provides the best source of, of all of these things. So um, that's probiotics. Now, prebiotics have made like a big sort of, I don't know, come, not comeback, but like people are understanding a little bit more about prebiotics. The prebiotics are probably the single best way to improve your microbes, the number of microbes in your gut, which people aren't really thinking about. But prebiotics are basically just simply put, they're food for the microbes in your gut. They're food. So think about it. If you put more food in there, the microbes are going to grow, right? Because they got stuff to eat. And when they eat, they do their thing and they replicate and more come. So it's sort of like you provide this environment for healthy microbes and then suddenly your microbe your microbiome follows, a healthy microbiome follows. Prebiotics are fibers. They're indigestible fibers. They're fibers you basically can't digest, but that's not all they are. There's also things called packs. It doesn't really matter what they are, but they're compounds that are found pretty much in plants, fruits, vegetables, um, in particular, the like cruciferous, like crunchy, starchy ones. So like bananas, potatoes. Mm -hmm. Prebiotics are found also in fermented foods and, and like variety is best, right? So just like eating your, you know, rainbow fruits and vegetables that applies here too. the more sort of variety of prebiotics you eat, the more variety and abundant your microbiome will become. So those are prebiotics. Okay. And then I'm just going to finish with postbiotics. That's okay. Am I running on too long? <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I'm, I'm absorbing. Okay. <laughs> so postbiotics are really important. And remember I said prebiotics are probably the single best way to increase your microbes in your gut. And that's only because probiotics, like you're not always sure those are going to make it there. Postbiotics are actually the thing that cause all the benefits in your health. Like almost like when I'm doing my research, I'm like, okay, it's the acids. It's the postbiotics that basically improve mood, that cause your inflammation to go down 
that cause your immunity to respond. And so postbiotics are basically the things that the microbes produce. So I'll just say that one more time so you kind of like digest it. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) The microbes in your gut, when they eat food, which would be prebiotics, they basically make compounds. And those compounds are called postbiotics. Oftentimes they're acids. Actually, more often than not, they're acids. Um, and those acids go and do certain things. They, t- they, they turn on certain things. They turn off certain things. They actually communicate all the way up to your brain for certain things. But it's the acids that actually do the work. That's one of the things that's so special about fermented foods is they're one of the few foods that we have in our whole diet that actually also has those postbiotics. Um, it's the acid. So all that vinegariness you taste in kombucha, like the vinegariness, the more vinegary, I would say the better. If you're tasting a kombucha or a sauerkraut or you're eating fermented pickles or something and it's really bland, it tastes like sparkling water. I would say it probably doesn't have many postbiotics in it because it's those acids that drive all the impact. Okay. I think I answered your question. So prebiotics, <laughs> probiotics, postbiotics. Yes. Did I? That's what they are. <laughs> yes, you did. You definitely answered my question. I mean, it takes, you have to really walk through it all, right? Because it's, you do. it's not confusing. It's just, it's just like deep, you know, it's a little bit like not complex even. It's just, you got to go through the things. There's a lot of things to go through. I hear you. And what I think interests me and what may intrigue the listener as well is that the, the postbiotics aren't a big part of the conversation that we hear often. So why is that? If they are such an integral thing for us, why isn't anybody talking about it? Well, in the science world, they are, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think, and, and it, and it is something that I, uh, we want to continue to, to grow on. If you look at our bottle, for example, we're talking about the healthy organic acids and we have been for a long time. I'm not sure. I think maybe the reasoning is that people, we know microbes are good. And so people think, oh, probiotics are those microbes that like that makes sense that probiotics would be the most important thing. But they just don't understand probably that that it's not that simple. Probiotics are very delicate, fragile things. They're live organisms. And so it's not as simple as like, you know, taking a pill. Well, of course, you yeah. know that already. I don't know. <laughs> but I think for sure it will expand, right? Just like science is often 10 years ahead of what media knows. So hopefully this is the beginning of a, you know, of a worldwide kind of evolution uh, into realizing (laughs) it's not just probiotics, you know? You heard it here first. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Gooder. Gooder is the maker of goodness, my favorite running sunglasses, hands down. And that's not just because they are super stylish. I am obsessed with their Operation Blackout style. It's a large, sleek aviator, but also because they are no slip, they're all polarized and no bounce. Plus, their price point literally cannot be matched. Gooder sunglasses start at just $25, and that price tag is about to get a little bit better because 
of course, they are offering you all a special discount. Head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle and get 15% off your next purchase using the code hurdle15 at checkout. Again, that is gooder.com slash hurdle. Get a pair of sunglasses for 15% off using the code hurdle15 today. Go ahead treat yourself. (laughs) You deserve it. Now that we have the rundown on pre, pro, and post, let's transition into talking a little bit about mood and food. Now, you said earlier something so important for us to realize is that our gut ties into so much of everything. Everything that we do goes back to the gut. And of course, not surprisingly, this also impacts our mood. So where do we even begin on this topic? Well, we had talked about, I mean, it's it's not that difficult really to begin because we had already talked about the fact that these microbes, even though they reside in your gut, they do all kinds of things. And one of the most important things we've learned, I would say a lot in the last two decades, is that the gut and the brain like have major connection. In fact, we've identified more than 50 pathways via which the microbes. So this isn't your body. These are the things that are living in your body, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. They're communicating with your brain in fi- in at least 50 different ways. And one of the most uh, sort of studied ways is through what's called the vagus nerve. Maybe you've heard about the vagus nerve, but it literally connects the gut and the brain. Um, but it's these microbes that are actually sending signals through your own, you know, vagus nerve up to your brain. Um, and, and what we now know is that like we, we now know that almost all the serotonin, so serotonin is that happiness chemical. Um, again, you're probably always thinking about the brain when you're thinking of, am I happy? Um, but almost all of the serotonin is made in your gut. Only 5% is made elsewhere and in your brain. So, I mean, that that's, that chemical is basically triggered by a postbiotic that is, tr- that is produced by a microbe that is there because it ate the prebiotic. You know what I'm saying? So it, yeah. it, it's pretty cool how that all works. So we know that. We also know that people and animals with depression and anxiety have less abundant microbiomes, like they have less microbes in the gut. We know that those with depression and anxiety have more pro-inflammatory bacteria. So one of the things that happens like when your microbiome gets off, let's say you take a lot of antibiotics or even just one round of antibiotics, um, or you're not eating a lot of fibers in your diet, like you're not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, um, what can happen is your microbiome can get basically like off where the balance of like good bacteria and bad bacteria goes haywire and you have less good, more bad. And those pro-inflammatory bacteria can wreak havoc. We we know that those who have depression for some reason have more of those pro-inflammatory bacteria. So that's telling us that like, wait, that's, there's a connection there, right? Um, And we even know specifically which bacteria um, are missing. So there's, without getting too scientific, there's a, a couple bacteria types like in the back lactobacillus realm. Lactobacillus is a pretty common 
probiotic you can take. Again, you won't always know if it can get to your gut. So you want to try to get one that's highly studied. Don't just get the cheapest one. Um, by the way, lactobacillus is also in all fermented foods. It naturally exists there, especially kombucha. But we know that people with depression have less of lactobacillus in their gut. And um, that's that's interesting to us too. I mean, there's so many things we know. We know that animals that we, like, like we, if you sterilize an animal, like we don't do this on humans, obviously, but if you sterilize any animal in terms of their gut, um, within minutes, they have cognitive issues. They can't remember things. They have social issues, mood disorders, um, more stress, anxiety, depression. So, and then when they colonize those bacteria, when they put, when they like inject bacteria back into those animals' guts, they all go away. So food's got a lot to do with it. And your microbiome has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So all of this to say is that, yes, what you eat definitely impacts your mood. That is a fact. Now, the question that comes next, the follow-up question is, let's talk about different foods and what that diet looks like, right? Because I'm sure like someone can get a lot of joy in the act of eating a large cheese pizza before <laughs> a long run on Saturday. But is that the kind of joy? Is that the kind of mood boosting we're really talking about here? Yeah. First of all, I just want to say that like, I do think food rules, like being like restrictive food rules can do a lot of harm. Yeah. So before saying never eat that cheese pizza, even though it brings you joy, I would never say that if it brings you joy, eat it. But I think what it's, it's everything's in balance, right? So we always have to remember what are we feeding, you know? And so you just want to make sure you're feeding your microbiome enough too. Um, I would never suggest restricting cheese pizza if it, if it does bring you happiness. Although let's talk about pizza. Cause there was a study where they studied, they looked at pizza wine and ice cream. So these are the three most popular things that people eat when they're sad and depressed, right? Right. And we look to those items for happiness. <laughs> and of course, that was studied. And even immediately after, so it's not like, oh, five days later or like five years later, like five minutes after, depression actually, like depressive thoughts and feelings and emotions went up you know, when you eat those things compared to um, vegetables and fruits and <laughs> things that actually are good for you. So, you know, it is important to know that you may think that these things are bringing you. You think that they're a mood boost. You think they're a mood boost, but they're not. Yeah. Now that's different than I like cheese pizza. I want to eat a piece of cheese pizza. That's different than I'm depressed. I'm looking to this food to make me happy. Um, really, if you are looking to a food to make you happy, the best thing to do, the more evidence-backed thing to do would be to have, you know, some kind of Mediterranean style snack or fermented food or something that actually drives that um, serotonin. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah. to go back to the the diet component though, this is where we're really digging in. You're saying Mediterranean-based foods, these fermented foods tied with better mood results than perhaps that cheese pizza. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple studies on Mediterranean style diet. So right. when we talk about a Mediterranean style diet, we're talking about um, fruits, vegetables, plants, fish, like healthy, lean meats, not always meats. Like I think there's ways to do Mediterranean style vegetarian too, but I think the 
the, one of the highlights of Mediterranean is lots of fruits and vegetables, also fermented foods. So it's like those two things have have repeatedly shown massive improvements in mood, mental well-being. And we've even been able to like identify that lactobacillus, that bacteria I was telling you is often lacking in those with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been able to also show that that improve increased lactobacillus in the gut is tied to increased serotonin, dopamine, less anxiety, depression. And even I think just a week or two of having lactobacillus in the gut, you know, I, I want to say it like changed or improved um, mood by 30, 30% in just a few days. So yes, Mediterranean style diet, fermented foods, and specifically trying to get that lactobacillus up, um, I think would be the way to go. Yeah. And to go back to that point before we were kind of joking about like, you shouldn't be reaching for pizza to make you happy. Like if you are in a place where you do feel like you're reaching to any food to make you happy, then that's also probably a sign of a bigger picture moment, which is like, maybe we should be addressing why food is the source of like how you feel. Um, Perhaps a moment to consult with an expert. Uh, On that note, though, I love the idea of reaching for fruits and vegetables to feel better in your body. I know that when I'm eating plant-based, I do feel generally happier. I just feel more comfortable in my body. Yeah. I I mean, there's so much evidence now that, I mean, and I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even say that you have to be fully plant-based, but yeah. I almost want to shift it to like plant full. Cause it's like, it's not that you're, I mean, there's no question you want to avoid the stuff you already know you want to avoid, right? We don't have to go into that, but like, um, it's more that are people eating enough fiber? So to me, it's like eat more fruits and vegetables in general. Like that's the that's where I tell people to go. I'm not even like eat less of X, Y, Z. I'm like eat more fruits and vegetables. And I think naturally those fruits and vegetables will like crowd out the rest of the other stuff. Because if you're eating intuitively, I think you will naturally, um, you know, you'll you'll stop when you're full a little bit more. You'll eat when you're hungry a little bit more. And so if you're just sort of saying, okay, of my plate has got to be fruits and vegetables. You're going to get full because those fibers are filling. Um, So that's kind of the way I go. Instead of saying, take out all the meat, take out all the everything. I'm always like, just add more fruits and vegetables. I bet you that will make you feel so much better. Aside from inevitably kombucha, when we think about what we're drinking as well, is water one of those things that we really need to be cognizant of when it comes to overall gut health and mood too? There have been minimal studies done on water and the microbiome. I've read a few, but that's not enough to say we know a lot. What we know from the few that have been done is that those that drink, you know, eight cups or more have a more abundant microbiome. But we don't know that that's causal yet because those are kind of studies where you look at populations and you're just like, how much water do you drink? How much water do you drink? How much water do you drink? And then they they look at their microbiome. So we don't know if it's the water doing that or if it just happens to be that the people that hydrate more also eat more fruits and vegetables, you know? So it's not enough to say water is good for your gut, um, but pr- probably it is. There's There's links to suggest it. And there's also links to say when you have less water, it's less abundant. Mm. Um, I think as it relates to the microbiome, the things that are really studied 
are alcohol. So alcohol, excess alcohol is pretty toxic to the gut. Yeah. Yeah. And it wipes out, it wipes out your microbiome pretty quickly. Um, especially when you drink more than two cup, two, I was gonna say doses, um, two, you know, glasses or whatever of alcohol two days in a row. Like that's when it really, if you do, if you do that two days in a row, it like on the average really wipes out your microbiome. And then that pro-inflammatory bacteria goes up, the good bacteria goes down and you know, you've got to work to bring that back into balance. Um, so it's not don't drink alcohol. It's more avoid excess alcohol because there's a point where your, your gut is really impacted. And then of course, yeah, things you can drink to improve your gut would be, yeah, things with prebiotics in them, um, and, uh, probiotics. Um, and probiotics, postbiotics. probiotics, postbiotics, the pickle three juice. dream we'll team. Yeah. <laughs> the dream team. The, the last thing that I want to ask here really surrounds the idea of how do we know, like, how do you know, aside from maybe the fact that your mood may be out of whack, like, how do you know if your gut is out of whack for someone who isn't cognizant or just starting to really learn about the fact that their gut does impact so much of the body? What is a red flag? How can we know if there is something to be concerned of when it comes to our gut? Yeah. I would say the number one way, and I don't know if we, I don't know if you went into this conversation thinking we were going to talk about poop, but <laughs> here we are. And that's, that's the number one way we, I mean, and if it's okay, I'll just, I'm not embarrassed to talk about it. It's something we do every day. I think we need to throw that stigma away because it's probably one of the biggest indicators we have to our microbiome health is what is sitting in the toilet and how it got there. So we should be going daily every day. It should be easy to go and it should be, you know, a certain sort of stature. I mean, there's a, there's a stool chart. You don't want it to be too soft or too hard. And it should be like, you know, sort of in the middle and that should be happening every day. What was interesting to me when I was a nutritionist is even seemingly healthy people, fit people that like, you know, looked pretty good. Sometimes we're only going once every couple of days, once every one, two, three days. And they were like, Oh, that's me. That's my normal. It's not, it's actually not like that. That's a sign that your microbiome is off. And, you know, it could compound and show up in different ways later on in life and even in your current life, right? There might be sluggishness in general, fatigue, things that you're not necessarily thinking about gut health with. So I would say that's the number one way. If you see gut health specialists, a lot of them will tell you that any skin disorder they see is gut related. Like I've heard Mm. that repeatedly from from a few people saying, if I see, if I see like any kind of chronic skin issue, the gut is involved. So that's another indicator, but I, I bet you those people also are, are not, there's something with their um, digestion that's not right. So um, of course, things like bloating, gas, indigestion, all of these things are signs, but I think that's pretty obvious. I would, I would always I would tell you that like 50% of the people, when I say the poop every day thing, they're like, I don't do that. And I'm like, I know we got to work on it. I know it's a problem. (laughs) It's a problem. Uh, 
the last, the real last question I'll ask you because it feels fitting here is someone might be listening to this and think to themselves like, okay, so are you saying the answer to all of my woes is that I should be drinking a kombucha every day? Like, is there such a thing as drinking too much kombucha? Well, first I will just say, I would never say that, you know, because (laughs) the gut, um, I mean, nutrition is first and the gut is so complex and it requires, as I mentioned, all kinds of things to support it. So my answer to you would be the solution is to um, eat more fruits and vegetables and more varieties of fruits and vegetables, and then avoid excess alcohol and only take antibiotics when necessary, because these are two things that really kill your microbiome. Um, And then lastly, incorporate fermented foods into your diet because they really are superfoods for your gut. And you don't have to do kombucha alone, kefir, sauerkraut. And, you know, if you head to your local farmer's market, they have lots of fermented foods now almost everywhere I've been. I'm one of those geeks that no matter what city I go to, I'm like, okay, and when is the farmer's market? Um, (laughs) And everywhere I go, there's something fermented. So I know um, a lot of us have access to it. So those would be the four ways I'd say it. All right. All right, Dinah, I'm so excited that we were able to reconnect here and so many good takeaways when it comes to mood and the gut and microbiome and all the biotics. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And post. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us your details. Yeah, well, you can always follow along with HealthAid and that's, you know, at HealthAid. But me personally, I post a bunch about gut health. Every Monday, I'm always doing like a, you know, sort of a gut health flash posts. So you can follow me on Instagram as well. Um, and that's just my name at Dinah Trout. At Dinah Trout. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. <laughs> Catch you guys next time. <laughs>